0: If the New Orleans Saints really want to get their money's worth in this year's NFL draft, investing on the defensive line and grabbing a dynamic pass catcher in the first two days are absolute must. We got all that and a little bit of land yet for you on today's episode of Locked on Saints. You are Locked on Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is good, Houdet Nation and Houdet family? Welcome into to another episode of Locked on Saints, your daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every. Day. Thanks so much, as always, make a Locked on Saints your first listen of the day, every day. Don't forget, you can subscribe and follow for free on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts so that you never miss the latest episodes. And I'm your host, Ross Jackson, at Ross Jackson. NOLA on Twitter, your New Orleans Saints expert credential member of the media over at Locked on NFL every Tuesday and here with you every single Monday through Friday on Locked on Saints. And on today's episode, it is Mock Draft Mondays. We're doing a seven-round mock draft. We're going to take it step-by-step. Day one, day two, we're going to take a look at the way for the New Orleans Saints to continue to add weapons in day three and some seventh round sleepers that could have an immediate impact or at least have an impact down the road. But I want to get started off with the way that the New Orleans Saints can kick off this NFL draft here in April, later on this month, with the biggest day one or day two draft impact. And the way the New Orleans Saints need to do that is by investing where they need the most help. This is a bit of a draft where the Saints are expected to go in with some needs. This isn't necessarily the way that the Saints usually like to go into the draft, right? They like to take care of their needs in free agency so that they can instead in the draft go best player available. And in some cases, best player available slash biggest needs can still kind of overlap, right? That's still a part of what your best player available could be is the positional value and how much you still need at that position. So for the New Orleans Saints, I think that starting off on the defensive line and getting a dynamic pass catcher are absolute must in the first two days. That way they have already spent their most important funds at the most important spots. You look across this New Orleans Saints, right? Quarterback, they improved. Wide receiver, they've improved, but you still want to stay healthy there. Probably adding another pass catcher makes a lot of sense. Running back, you've improved with the addition of Jamal Williams. Still waiting to see what's going to happen with Alvin Kamara. So probably investing in running back makes a lot of sense. Offensive line, you need depth. Defensive line, you need depth. Tight end, you're probably looking for a young tight end to start to develop uh, over the course of the next couple of years and to partner up with Juwan Johnson this year cornerback, defensive back, they seem pretty set. The Saints have really, really invested there a ton. So that feels like they're pretty set, but finding another linebacker and adding depth there could be a good move for New Orleans as well. But so it's clear that the two biggest needs that they still have are defensive line, particularly on the interior, but adding an edge rusher makes a lot of sense as well. And then of course, adding a dynamic pass catcher too. So let's get to the draft. Apologize for those of you that are watching on YouTube for kind of the weird video and everything like that. Had to kind of quickly get things together because I got held over in Atlanta overnight. Uh, so fingers crossed that I I make it out and they don't find out that I cover the Saints because I might not make it home. But other than that, everything should be fine. So we're starting off here at pick 29 here in round one. Uh, we're going with Michigan defensive tackle Mozzie Smith. Now I usually bounce between Mozzie Smith and Kalijah Kansi, the dynamic, but undersized defensive tackle out of Pittsburgh. In this simulation that I ran over at mock draft database, Kalaja Kansi wasn't available. He wasn't an option. So I had a lot of defensive linemen that I could pick from. I could have gone with, and maybe gone a little bit early, but taken Ototamawa uh, Otabare out of Northwestern. If I wanted to do that, I could have gone with the Kansas State edge rusher as well. But For me, defensive interior is still such a huge need and still a part that the New Orleans Saints need to continue to build. I love the additions of Colin Saunders and Nathan Shepard and bringing back Malcolm Roach. You've become a better pass rushing team while still holding strong with your run stopping identity with the new additions of Saunders as well as Shepard. But. You're not done there yet. I mean, you've got four of these guys on the roster, and three of them have never taken a regular sneeze and snap for you, right? If you're adding in Prince Amelli to that e- equation. So you want to go and find another guy. Maybe you find another one in free agency. I still think Los Angeles Rams, former defensive tackle Sean Robinson would be an excellent and cost-effective move, but that might have to be a post-draft thing. Mozzie Smith adding him, you get somebody that's disruptive as a pass rusher and that is an absolute run plugger as well. Great run stopper. So, there's a lot of different ways that the New Orleans Saints can improve that defensive line still in the remainder of this offseason. And of course, the first round of the NFL draft is a big spot where you can watch. Just to give you another alternative of a player that I almost selected here, it was Osiris Torrance, the offensive guard out of Florida. Almost went there, but decided to focus on defensive interior right off the top because the defensive interior class is deep, but the deeper you get down the draft board, the more you start to lean into run stopping as w- uh, in, in sort of in lieu of pass rushing av- uh, availability and pass rushing ability. So I wanted to go early, and then I might revisit this for another run sufferer later on down, uh, down the board. Round two, pick 40. I went with Georgia tight end Darnell Washington. Now, if you do, if you look at Darnell Washington as a, you know, box, box score scouting approach, you're not going to see a lot of production. Didn't have a lot of targets. Didn't have a ton of receptions. Didn't have a ton of receiving yards, but he was also vastly underutilized in that offense. Stetson Bennett and, uh, you know, the, the offense that was put together over in Georgia was very much a perimeter passing offense. They wanted to go to their wide receivers over on the outside. They wanted to lean in on their running backs and the run game. So Darnell Washington spent a lot of his time in Georgia blocking for guys like Kenny McIntosh out of the backfield. Not a bad thing, by the way, because maybe that makes the adjustment to the NFL a little bit easier. Tight end tends to be one of the hardest, if not the hardest position to transition to from college to the NFL because you have to learn protections. You have to learn a whole new way of playing your position. Maybe he comes in a little bit more pro ready because of the offense, but six foot seven 200, you know, 230 plus, 260 plus pounds, ran a 4.64 40. So he's got speed. He's big. He can go out there and be a dynamic pass catcher, a big time threat up the seam, as well as somebody you can continue to develop into a blocker, just like you did so successfully with Juwan Johnson. Now you get to pair Washington and Johnson together while Troutman kind of just floats and feels his way out in terms of where he's able to go. And then, of course, don't forget that Taysom Hill would continue to get some of those tight end snaps as well. So I love adding the big pass catching target that can go out there and make a difference for you as a pass catcher, hopefully in his rookie year, but he doesn't have to be asked to be a 500, 600 yard reception guy. He can go out there and be a two, 300 reception yard guy or yeah, reception yards guy with three or four touchdowns. And those three or four touchdowns might come in ways that improve your red zone efficiency, your ability to end drives. That's where I look at Darnell Washington as sort of having maybe a a spot starting or spot um, deployment type of role in his rookie season. And finally, we'll wrap up day two here with Zach Harrison, the edge rusher out of Ohio State. Fantastic size, uh, six foot four, six foot five, 280, 270 pounds. Um, doesn't have a ton of production in terms of his time in college. Was a little bit of a college underachiever. But when you're asking him to come into New Orleans and not be a starter, but get involved instead as a rotational player. On the edge along with cam jordan and carl granderson and peyton turner and Tono pass and you you don't need him to come out there and play 600 700 800 snaps his rookie year he can rotate in for 400 500 snaps and give you something that you really really want to see from him he's only got 11 career sacks just over 20 tackles for a loss so again a little bit of a collegiate underachiever but in the third round i am absolutely happy to invest in tools and traits things that you can't teach which Zach Harrison absolutely has in terms of length and size, as well as athletic ability. So I'll grab that and then try to hone in those skills in a third round, as opposed to spending a first round pick to grab a project edge rusher. I'm okay with getting somebody that could potentially have an immediate impact, but also be a project that gets better and better and better in the third round. Perfectly happy with that. So wrapping up day two, Mozzie Smith, the defensive tackle out of Michigan, Darnell Washington, the tight end out of Georgia, and Zach Harrison, the edge rusher out of Ohio State. That gives us a really, really strong start and a really, really early sort of better return on investment for the uh, first part of the draft. Next, we're gonna get to our round four selection as well as our two round five selections to show you how the Saints can continue to add weapons in the third day early on. We got that coming up for you as we continue on uh, with today's episode of Locked On Saints, part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And today's episode of Locked on Saints brought to you by friends over at Ultimate Pro Football GM. If you ever wanted to be a football uh, GM or manage your own football franchise, well, this is the mobile game for you. Entirely offline and entirely free to play. No timeouts, no having to wait for stuff after you do it to play your next game or anything like that. You can go at your own pace and go through 20 seasons in a day. You can go through one season in a day if you want to. I absolutely love this game. It is fantastic for traveling because of that offline Ability to where you can play it on the plane, you can play it on the subway if you're, you know, a subway traveler, all these other things. It is super, super dope. And especially right now with free agency kind of ending in the NFL and the draft starting up, you can be going into your draft as well, getting ready on the same calendar as the NFL over at Ultimate Pro Football GM. And Locked On Saints listeners are going to get a 100% free boost to your franchise by using the promo code Locked On in all caps and all one word. In the game store. That's locked on in all caps in the game store. Make sure you check it out today to download the game. Just visit ultimate gm.com uh, so you can look it up in the app stores as well. Ultimate Pro Football GM. Start your dynasty today. All right, family, continuing on with today's episode of Locked On Saints. This mock draft Monday continues on with how the New Orleans Saints can add weapons in their first. Round And make sure you go on and check out Locked on NFL Draft for more Saints mock draft uh, content as well. Uh, uh, Damian Parson over at Locked on NFL Draft has the Saints taking Bijan Robinson, the running back out of Texas at 29, discussing all that over on Locked on NFL Draft as well as uh, his mock draft over at TDN. All right, let's get started here with day three um, and how the New Orleans Saints can add some weapons early on in day three. Thanks again for making Locked on Saints your first listen of the day every day here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. So at pick 115, I didn't go for the weapon yet. I went ahead and and, and, and invested in a spot that I've actually never invested in when it comes to a mock draft uh, on the show. And so I went with offensive tackle Blake Freeland out of BYU. Now, some might say, Ross, why are you going offensive tackle? They just took a tackle last year in the first round in Trevor Penning. You have Ryan Ramcheck over on the right side. But just kind of hearing Dennis Allen speak a little bit about Trevor Penning and saying, OK, we, you know, we bookending his season with the two foot injuries like a lot of what he has to offer. But can he stay healthy? And the you know, sky's the limit for him if he can stay healthy. There sure are a lot of caveats around Trevor Penning's health right now. So I want to be ready for that. But I don't want to lose sight of Ryan Ramchek's health either. The guy for the past two seasons has been limited. Pretty much every Wednesday at practice, he's, been, he's missed games over the course of the past couple of years with a variety of different injuries, including knee injuries, back issues, things like that. And so with all of that, I just kind of want to be ready at tackle. I've got James Hurst for another year, but what do I have after that, right? Do, do I have somebody that I can develop within my system? And I like Blake Freeland. He did some incredible things in terms of you know his timing and everything like that. Uh, you know, 37-inch broad jump, a 4.98. Uh, 40 yard dash that was standing at six foot seven, six foot eight, and over three hundred pounds. The guy is absolutely outstanding, an insane short shuttle, an insane three cone. So you know that he can move. He's very uh, you know, mobile, can get out there and sort of run what it is that the Saints like to run and get their offensive lineman to the second level. And if you've got a guy like Blake Freeland who can do that on the right side long term and then a guy like Trevor Penning who could do that on the left side long term and you just continue to groom and get Blake ready just in case Ryan Ramchick goes out you're in a really solid spot there. And then maybe it gives you the flexibility to challenge at guard a little bit with some other players. Maybe James Hurst is finally able to do that so that he becomes a bona fide starter within the Saints offensive line, as opposed to sort of this rotational piece. And so when you look at the prototypical size, the length that Blake Freeland has, how well he moves in the run game, how uh, smart he is in terms of identifying protections, things like that. And then also just his fantastic Violence, right? He's just really, really violent, got good hands, all of that. And he makes a ton of really, really good choices. He is a starter for you that you're drafting in round four. So I know it's not the sexiest pick right away, but continuing to build that offensive line should maybe be a little bit more of an emphasis than the way that we're treating it as media members so far for the New Orleans Saints. I feel like not enough of us are talking about what the offensive line needs, and depth at least is a big part of what that offensive line needs outside of what most of this team needs, which is health. Uh, Up next here, as we get into our two picks in round five, pick 146, wide receiver out of West Virginia, Bryce Ford Wheaton. Size, speed, uh, leaping ability, good hands, good contested catch ability, all of that. This is one of those guys that you're able to grab in the fifth round and allow him to be behind. I mean, at at most, he's your fifth wide receiver, right? Because you've got Michael Thomas, Chris Olave, Rashid Shahid. You've added Brian Edwards. Up at the top, maybe Traquan Smith is in that conversation, depending upon how the offseason goes for him. Uh, Keith Kirkwood is on the roster as well as Kirk Merritt. And then that kind of rounds out your wide receivers with the addition of Kawan Baker on a I believe he's on a reserve futures deal, but either way, he's on the roster. And then you have a guy like Bryce Ford Wheaton out of West Virginia who you can add to the mix, who so again size, you know, six three, six four, uh, he's over 200 pounds. And he's putting up really, really good numbers in terms of his athletic scoring and everything as well. So you have the size, the speed, you've got it all when it comes to Bryce Ford. We just want to see if he can translate to the NFL. But with a position like wide receiver, not necessarily one that you have to run early for. You can go a little bit later, much like running back, which we're going to do here in just a second, and get somebody that becomes a qualified or, or, or a quality, rather, player for you pretty quickly, relatively quickly. Doesn't have to have a rookie season impact, but could be one of those you know, Z-flanker guys or potentially X-receiver guys in, in certain setups, certain, you know, personnel, certain play calls to where he's able to go out there and get you uh, those extra yards and a little bit of yards after catch as well. You want to talk about yards after catch. let talk about some yards after catch out of the backfield. There's a, a very popular running back section for the New Orleans Saints, whether it be in the first or second round in Alabama's Jameer Gibbs. But what if you want Jameer Gibbs style while also getting kind of the best Return on investment, right? So that you're not spending a first or second round pick on a running back instead you're going in the fourth, fifth round somewhere in day three. Well, that's where Pittsburgh running back Israel Abanakanda comes in. Great size, 5'11, 215-ish pounds, uh, great speed running in the four fours. He's got legitimate track speed as well in terms of his long speed, great athleticism, great explosion. He's somebody that can catch the ball for you out of the backfield, but also. Run in between the tackles, take on contact and get through, run through contact as well. So kind of just like Tajay Spears, just like Jameer Gibbs, these guys aren't just notable because of what they can do in the passing game out of the backfield, but they also aren't notable just for what they can do in the run game out of the backfield. They do a little bit of everything. So if you're worried about potentially not having Alvin Kamara for an extensive amount of time, getting a player like Gibbs, like Spears, or like a gives you that Alvin Kamara-style player that would complement so incredibly well with Jamal Williams, who the Saints just added this offseason, who's you know a bit of a bigger back, 220-plus pounds, though, from what I understand, he's trying to slim down from that a little bit, and is somebody that isn't just a power runner for you, but absolutely can be that bruising back that you rely in on short, short you know, game situations and things like that, whether that be in the red zone or third and shorts or second and shorts, things like that. So absolutely all of that. Fits in terms of plugging in a guy like Israel Abanda who again, just like with Bryce Ford Wheaton, is playing a, a a position that translates so immediately, translates so easily, or quote unquote easily. Right? There's nothing easy about playing in the NFL, but that translates a lot easier than into your offensive line, into your defensive line, tight end, all of that. And so he could be a fifth round selection along with Bryce Ford Wheaton, who has an immediate impact for you on day one. So he might be day three, but he's day one in terms of when he actually you know, starts to pay dividends toward your team. And the Saints could potentially find two more of those kinds of players in round seven. So we got Blake Freeland at 115, at 146, Bryce Ford Wheaton, the wide receiver out of West Virginia, and then capping off the fifth round, we've got Israel Abanacanda out of Pittsburgh. But if you want to get two more players in round seven that can have some potential immediate impact for you, we've got a couple of sleepers that we're selecting to close out the seven round mock draft here on Locked on Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. let's get it who that nation rabbit up today's episode of locked on saints with round seven sleepers the saints could select that could end up having a pretty quick impact for this team want to give a quick shout out to caroline fenton and locked on lsu covering a national champion women's basketball team shout out to the lsu tigers for getting it done in dallas uh, this is my second take doing this because I'm so excited about that women's basketball team winning a national championship that about dropped an F-bomb on the show. And so I had to re-record it. So just so you know how excited I am, that's how excited I am. Very excited for those ladies. So make sure you're going and checking out Locked on LSU and supporting there as well. Caroline doing a great job. Round seven, Saints have two selections, 227 and then 30 picks later at 257. Now, Usually at this point, you're looking for special teams, players, you're looking for players that you aren't necessarily developing many expectations to come in and have a year one impact on your team. You're going for development. You're going for traits. You're going for athletic profile. This is where the RAS scores, you know, become so important for not the New Orleans Saints, but people who are covering the New Orleans Saints draft. I kind of went away from that just to kind of look at players that could potentially serve roles that the Saints, you know, could need. And two spots where the Saints said that they wanted to add depth still this offseason are a linebacker and defensive line. And so when I get into the seventh round, I want to grab the most athletic linebacker that I could find. And I want to grab a versatile but also um, undervalued defensive, interior defensive lineman. And when I say versatile, I mean somebody that can play not from inside out, but that can play the different defensive tackle techniques. They can line up as a nose guard. They can, or as a nose tackle, they can go to one tech, which is that gap right in between the center and guard. They can bounce out to three tech to get over the guards, outside, shoulder, all of those things, and become more of a pass rusher, be more of a run stopper, all of that. So I found those two guys. And I know I did not go with Ben Van Sumeren uh, out of Michigan State, because I know people are tired of hearing about him. I've drafted him a bunch, uh, but I still think he'd be a great fit for New Orleans. But the the player that I went with at 227 is linebacker out of Jackson State, Aubrey Miller Jr. You want somebody that can cover? Okay. You want somebody that can blitz the passer, Okay. You want somebody that can put his head down in the run game and make good decisions and make solid tackles? Okay. Aubrey Miller can be that guy for you. But also, immediate special teamer. Immediate special team's ace. Don't forget what you lost in Caden Ellis as a special teamer. Don't forget what the Saints no longer have. On special teams now that Caden Ellis is in Atlanta. I know a lot of us have been kind of hyping the idea that, oh, well, what the Saints really lost was this, you know, pass rusher from the second level that's this versatile piece that also improved in coverage. And, you know, it's really the potential, the ceiling of Caden Ellis on defense that they lost. All of that is true. But don't get it twisted. His biggest role in New Orleans up until Pete Werner was injured, New Orleans State starting linebacker next to DeMario Davis was as a special teamer, and a very, very good one. And that's not me diminishing Caden Ellis. Y'all already know how Caden and I are. He's been on the show before. What I'm saying, though, is that you lost more than just potential on the defensive side. You lost proven ability on special teams. That's what I'm saying. And so you get a guy like Aubrey Miller Jr. who can wreak havoc for you if you know, if you allow him to kind of get set loose, if you don't do what you know happened to Zach Bond, where you bring him in and then ask him to do something completely different than the thing that he specialized in in college if you let him cut loose, you let him be that guy with his hair on fire and you let him be a core special teamer for you, you've got immediate impact. Even though it's not on defense, you still have immediate impact where you need that. And you get what it is that Dennis Allen and the New Orleans Saints have said this offseason very clearly that they want to add, which is linebacker depth. So I love Aubrey Miller in the seventh round. And then at 257 to wrap up this draft, I went with defensive tackle out of West Virginia, Dante Stills. So Dante Stills is one of those defensive tackles that's, I don't want to say had a fall off, but we certainly had a different expectation for him a few years ago. Um, he was one of those guys that we thought was going to be, you know, one of the better defensive tackles in this year's class, all of that by the time that he was ready to come out, but some things kind of got in the way of all that really, really quick, really, really good gap penetration. Um, Move side to side really, really well, which is important in the run game when you're trying to scrape up laterally up the line of scrimmage to make plays. Uh, And then, of course, really, really strong tackler as well. I think he had 53 tackles for a loss in his career at West Virginia. Uh, He is a little bit undersized coming in at uh, six foot. uh, Six foot three is actually fine, but he comes in at 286. But at six foot three, he can add weight. And we've seen the Saints do this successfully. Marcus Davenport did it successfully. Carl Granderson did it successfully. We've seen these guys come into new orleans and be able to effectively and constructively put on weight so you're not losing that sort of functional quickness and things like that um one other place where you kind of want a little bit more from a guy that's six foot three 280 plus pounds is uh you know functional strength 20 bench reps not excellent not bad but you want to see a little bit more than that but 485 speed at his size is really really tempting for sure so He's got the quickness. He's got uh, a ton of experience at West Virginia. He's got some really, really solid uh, you know, production over the course of his career. Again, those 53 career tackles for a loss, those are huge. Uh, but you know, you're know, you looking for him to come in and be a rotational guy along with Saunders, along with Shepard, along with Malcolm Roach. And then, of course, we drafted to start this all off, Mozzie Smith, who has a little bit more of the run-stopping ability, a little bit more of the pass-rushing ability than Dante Stills. But Stills has so much potential in both sides of those games. You're totally fine taking a guy like this in the seventh round and working to develop him up a little bit, train him up a little bit, and then get him ready for your system, for your scheme as a rotational player and making the 53-man roster. Like he would have a real shot at doing that to where you could walk into 2023 with a defensive line group of um, you know, Colin Saunders, Nathan Shepard, Malcolm Roach, Mozzie Smith, and perhaps Dante Stills. And if not Dante Stills, then he goes to your practice squad and you have quality depth there at the position that you can elevate on game days, move around in terms of standard elevations, things like that. So you add a guy like Aubrey Miller Jr., the linebacker, you add a guy like Dante Stills, a defensive tackle in round seven, and all of a sudden you've got depth, you've got special teams play, you've got defensive play, you've got guys that can come in and get snaps. I mean, these are really solid selections for the Saints in round seven. And of course, they're not the only ones that could be taken in round seven and still have an apparent, you know, a, a, a projectable impact in 2023, 2024, 2025, however far you want to go out uh, and look at it. So I think that this is a really solid draft for the New Orleans Saints. And if you can get rid of it and check the boxes of defensive line, hopefully at multiple positions, as well as that pass catcher, where, which whether that be wide receiver or tight end, in my opinion, if you can do that in the first couple of days, then you're just kind of sailing. For the last two days uh, or the last day of the draft, taking players that check boxes in terms of traits and athletic ability and physical ability and size and stature and speed, height, weight, speed combination, guys, and special teams and depth, all of that. Like you're in a really good place throughout the rest of the draft if you're able to get that done. The one thing that I might change about my approach in this draft was taking an offensive tackle instead of an offensive guard. I probably should have gone with an offensive guard uh instead of Blake Freeland, but it was really, really hard to pass him up based on the incredible performances that he's had. And I think that drafting him and getting more depth at tackle allows you to do something different with James Hurst. So it kind of is two birds, one stone kind of situation. You get the offensive tackle depth, and then you're able to kind of refocus James Hurst as interior offensive lineman depth and allow him to focus on a specific position. So I do think it kind of helps even taking a tackle at the right spot. But a guy like Jackson Kirkland out of Washington would have been an immediate you know, impact player or, or immediate impact player as a depth piece at offensive guard. So, either way, you get both of those positions kind of more shored up. All right, coming up in tomorrow's episode here on Locked on Saints, as I appreciate you for always making Locked on Saints your first listen of the day every day. Hopefully, I'll be back home in the great city of New Orleans so I can get here, get up out of Atlanta. Uh, but. In tomorrow's episode, with it being Tuesday, we'll make sure that we're keeping you up to date with everything going on around the New Orleans States, of course, any type of big news there. But we're going to continue some mock drafts here. It's mock draft season. Let's really dive in and continue to get you all brushed up on a bunch of different uh, draft prospects because you never know. Never know what's actually going to happen in the NFL draft. So we got more for you coming up here on tomorrow's episode of Locked on Saints. For your second listen today, make sure you're checking out Locked on NFL Scouting. Kyle Krabs, Joe Marino, the draft dudes giving you everything you need to know every single Monday through Friday about what it takes to build a successful NFL franchise. They've got you covered. Whoops, dropped my phone. They've got you covered (laughs) for under 30 minutes every day. Appreciate you as always for making me a part of your day, part of your routine for saying yes to me and the show. As always, if you see me, say hi. If you need anything else around your New Orleans Saints in between these episodes, make sure you follow me on Twitter at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A. Hit me up, let me know how the family's doing, let me know how you're living, let me know how you're momming them, and trust you that nation, I'll holla at you.